0: The coronavirus pandemic has shocked the economy. And a lot of that pain is all too easy to see. Closed restaurants, empty streets, shuttered office buildings. But there's another looming threat that's less visible and that could extend economic pain long after the pandemic is under control.
1: This is very risky corporate debt. And it amounts to about $1.2 trillion.
0: Finance reporter Matt Wirtz is talking about the $1.2 trillion market known as the leverage loan market.
1: These loans have permeated every aspect of the U.S. economy. So like when you fly on an American Airlines plane, that's a plane that has in part been financed by a leverage loan. When you use Reynolds Wrap, that was in part financed by a leverage buyout. You know, when you go to a casino, like most of the casinos in this country, it has financed its growth by borrowing in the leveraged loan market.
0: As the coronavirus pandemic has dried up revenues for businesses around the country, some companies could have trouble paying these loans back.
1: And when they can't, that can trigger sort of like a house of cards falling down where the company is immediately in default. They can be put into bankruptcy. They have to cut staff they may be forced to shut down completely and liquidate. And that has a cascade effect throughout the economy. That is, unfortunately, what we are headed into.
0: Today on the show, how the pile of risky corporate debt got so big and how it could exacerbate the economic fallout of the coronavirus pandemic. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, April 1st. When a company wants to expand its business or acquire another company, one tool they can lean on is a so-called leveraged loan. It's like a corporate version of a subprime mortgage. These loans are riskier than typical loans. The company's financial health can be distressed, Often, the companies already have a lot of debt, and sometimes the loan size exceeds the company's earnings. And because of all that, the loans come with a higher interest rate. In recent years, the market for leveraged loans has been growing.
1: At the beginning of 2015, there was around $800 billion, and now we're at $1.2 trillion. So the market has actually increased by 50% in size in the last five years. And that's highly unusual. You don't tend to see that happen in financial markets. It's a really exponential growth.
0: These high-risk loans became really popular in the early 2000s. Companies were getting acquired at record-high dollar amounts in the tens of billions of dollars. And to purchase these companies, private equity firms and other buyers started borrowing huge sums of cash.
1: The economy was going very, very quickly, And it was kind of a what-me-worry time in the debt markets. And you started to see a lot of really big deals. So Tilton was sold for 20 billion. Uh, Energy company TXU was sold for 32 billion. The market was going really fast and there had not been a big blow up yet.
0: These loans may have been risky, but with the economy booming, it was a risk the banks were willing to take because they could get a high rate of return for the money they loaned out. And for the companies that borrowed, the extra cash allowed them to supercharge their growth, so they could easily pay off high interest payments to banks and still make money. Then, 2008 hit. Now it's official, we are in a recession. It started in real estate, and it started with
1: subprime. Brought down by bad mortgage investments, Lehman, which has 25,000 employees, will be liquidated.
0: The market is not functioning properly. There has been a widespread loss of confidence. And major sectors of America's financial
1: system are at risk of shutting down.
0: The money stopped flowing. And some of these companies defaulted on their leveraged loans.
1: That created a ripple effect throughout financial markets. They hit big banks. They hit insurers. They hit hedge funds. They started to hit mutual funds. And the markets came to a complete halt.
0: Defaults on these corporate loans added to the growing mortgage crisis, making the financial crunch at banks even worse. And it led some of these companies to file for bankruptcy, like the casino company Caesars Entertainment and the energy company TXU. And so, in the fallout of the 2008 crisis, regulators wanted to do something about leveraged loans, with legislation like the Dodd-Frank Act.
1: What Dodd-Frank did and some other regulations did is they made it much harder for banks to extend these loans. The U.S. government effectively got banks out of the business of holding these risky loans on their balance sheets. That stopped for all intents and purposes.
0: But it didn't put an end to this kind of risky lending.
1: No, it did not, because the U.S. government Different parts of the U.S. government, namely the Federal Reserve and the Treasury, were doing something else at the same time.
0: With companies throughout the U.S. hurting, the government lowered interest rates to help spur economic activity. But those low interest rates had an unexpected side effect. They also created a surge of appetite for leveraged loans. Returns on safer investments, like government bonds, had gone down, Making the high interest rates on leveraged loans more attractive. Most banks were no longer holding onto leveraged debt, but they were still facilitating these deals and selling the debt to investors.
1: The U.S. government essentially created demand among investors to buy these risky loans because they weren't getting returns anywhere else. They were desperate desperate for yield. These were pension funds that had to, for example, in order to meet their future liabilities, in order to pay out the pensions that they had for workers that were starting to retire, they needed to make 6% per year. And the only game in town for that was highly risky investments like the leveraged loan market. So investors were encouraged to start buying riskier debt. It's like a water balloon. Like basically, like if you think about risk taking in the debt markets and think of it as like a water balloon, regulators kind of squeeze down on one side of the water balloon, which was the banks. They squeeze the risk out of that part of the balloon. And at the same time, they pushed it into another part of the market. And that's the thing about markets and capitalism is they tend to find a way. And that is why we saw the market grow from Around 600 billion in 2008 to around 800 billion in 2015.
0: As these leverage loans were making a comeback in the 2010s, Matt says that alarm bells started going off in financial circles.
1: I remember talking to a lot of investors, and they're like, I can't believe that these deals are happening again. Like, they so clearly don't work. These companies shouldn't have this much debt. This market doesn't really have a reason to exist to the extent that it does, it doesn't make any sense.
0: But despite the concerns, investors kept taking the chance on these high-risk loans.
1: This is kind of like a product that just, it's like the Energizer bunny. It just keeps on going.
0: Coming up, how that Energizer bunny is pushing one company to the brink.
1: What is dedication? People ask how your children learn how to ride a bike, and you didn't. I just created an environment where they taught themselves, and all I had to do was be there. That's dedication.
0: Visit fatherhood.gov to hear more. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back. During the economic expansion of the past decade, hundreds of companies took out these high-risk leverage loans, and now. The shock from the coronavirus pandemic shows just how vulnerable many of these businesses are. Like one company that Matt's been following, Cirque du Soleil.
1: It was a company that started in the 1980s. It was like this kind of like troupe. They did street performances. Eventually, they started having a real show. They started to tour. I remember going to see Cirque du Soleil for the first time in the 90s. And being kind of amazed and like, you know, this was not like any circus I had ever seen before. You know, it's kind of glitzy, it's a little higher end. So they became worldwide famous and they started making a lot of
0: money. As Cirque du Soleil started making more money, they also began to expand.
1: They have standing performances in Las Vegas, they have performances in Macau, they have performances at Disney World. And of course they're on broadway they're in london they're everywhere and in 2015 the founder makes a decision to sell this company for about 1.5 billion dollars which is pretty good for an enterprise that started out as like a bunch of people busking on the streets
0: A couple of private equity firms came in to buy Cirque du Soleil, borrowing hundreds of millions of dollars to do it. Under its new ownership, Cirque du Soleil was doing well, bringing in more money than the interest payments on the loans. In other words, those big loans were paying off. Cirque du Soleil kept expanding, acquiring other performance companies like the Blue Man Group. And to do that, the company borrowed even more money.
1: Now their debt is starting to get into the range where it's a little bit concerning, and so the rates that they have to pay go up.
0: By 2020, Cirque du Soleil had borrowed about $900 million, which helped it grow into a company that employed 4,000 people worldwide. But then, the coronavirus outbreak became a global pandemic.
1: And within a couple of weeks, their business goes from booming to zero. They're not filling up. In some cases, they're not getting any attendees. And the company announces that they have to stop all of their shows. So they don't have any revenue to pay their staff. They don't have any revenue to pay their suppliers. And incidentally, they don't have any revenue coming in to pay their investors.
0: And so investors are beginning to worry they won't get their money back.
1: Moody's Investor Service, which is one of the largest credit rating services in the world, says because of the coronavirus and the impact that it's had on Cirque du Soleil's business, we are downgrading them to CA. What CA means is that the company is either in default or it's very soon going to be into default.
0: Cirque du Soleil, which declined to comment, has been especially hard hit by this global pandemic because it relies on tourism and big audiences to make money. But there are currently about 1,400 other companies holding these risky leveraged loans, and many are also facing financial trouble as the pandemic spreads.
1: The expectation is from analysts that the cumulative default rate is going to be in this cycle around 30%. So you apply 30 percent to 1,400 companies and you end up with somewhere between 400 and 500 companies that are going to default.
0: As those companies inch closer to default, the impact could reverberate throughout the economy. It could hit a company's employees and its suppliers. But it could also hurt people whose investments are tied to these loans. Because all those mutual funds and pensions that hold these loan agreements with the companies they could be stuck with pennies on the dollar in return for their investments.
1: And then what happens is all those losses trickle through the market. When individuals take large losses on investments that they thought were money good, they become more risk-averse. So they don't buy that new car. They're going to want a bigger rainy day fund. And they're also less willing to invest in the market. A lot of the liquidity in the stock market and in the debt market in the United States comes from individuals, and it comes from their confidence in the market. And this is really going to rock that confidence.
0: The $1.2 trillion in leveraged loans outstanding right now is actually strikingly similar to the amount of subprime loans in 2008, which at its peak was $1.3 trillion. The fallout from a leveraged debt crisis could be severe. It doesn't feel to me like this is well understood.
1: That's true, because this is a pretty wonky, technical part of the market. Mortgages, everyone gets, right? Leverage loans, most people don't know what a leverage loan is, much less understand how it functions.
0: How would you characterize what could be the economic fallout of these high-risk loans going bust?
1: Economic activity is going to slow for longer than i think some economists and analysts are predicting because they are looking at the coronavirus and when that issue will be resolved and when we can see consumer behavior and corporate spending start to pick up again and they're not factoring in the impact of all these defaults that are coming that could come six to 12 months after coronavirus has already been resolved. And each one of these creates a little ripple effect where people lose jobs, suppliers lose contracts, and investors lose money. And so what that's going to do is continue to slow and drag down economic growth well into 2021 and 2022.
0: That's all for today, Wednesday, April 1st. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Nick Timoros for his reporting on this story. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.